We love you and thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Good morning again. Happy July 4th, Independence Day. As I said, I'm not saying any more about that. It's funny. um, I come from Plymouth, which is the city that the Mayflower sailed from. And uh, there's a little, little area down on what's called the Barbican, where roughly where the steps were, they, they actually left. But it's smaller than those doors there. It's kind of like, yeah, this is where they went. <laughs> ah. Well, we're in a series called Walking with Jesus 2021. This is part five, and this morning I entitled this, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? So right off the bat, who's coming to dinner? Who's coming to dinner? Jesus is the answer, and it's going to be the answer, but let's see. Let's see. So we're looking at in Luke. I'm, I'm really enjoying this series. Honestly, I, I don't know if it's doing anything for you. I love a Bible study, and I've just enjoyed Luke so much. And every week, what I want to preach on, I, I get halfway there. And this week, again, I, I had two passages of Scripture that tie together, and I just couldn't get to the second passage of Scripture. So I hope this is, is tying together for you as you go. Now, if you didn't get sermon notes, don't worry about it. I've been away all week visiting uh, friends in Florida, so we don't have any sermon notes today. But you can take notes on your hand, on your arm, like you did at school. So, so if you've got your Bibles... Uh, Please turn to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, beginning in verse 27. It says, Later. Now, just to catch you up, last week we looked at the account where the men came and they let Jesus, they let the, the crippled guy down through the roof. It was in Capernaum where Jesus lived. So this, this also takes place in Capernaum. Now, we don't know how much later, but it was later. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, to do sort of a a loop around here, the chapter starts out with Jesus calling some fishermen to follow him. Do you remember that? The, The magnificent catch of fish. And in that passage of scripture, we discovered that that call wasn't actually the first call. That was not the first time that Jesus had said to these men, follow me. It was possibly the third time that he had said it. You know, sometimes we can kind of get it in our our heads and we can put ourselves down. You know, like Jesus walks up to these people, he says, follow me. They drop everything and and follow him. That's not exactly the way that it works. There's been a couple of times Jesus has said, follow them. Now, we don't know if that's the case here, but it could have been a similar situation because Levi, Matthew, lives in Capernaum. He would have seen all the hoopla that surrounds Jesus, all the healings, all the teachings. He would have known about this. And in, uh, in one of the accounts, it says, Matthew, the son of Alphaeus. So it makes it a little bit more personal. It's like, okay, we, we know who this Matthew is. So I love what Jesus says to him. He says, follow me and be my disciple." I love that. 
follow me and be my disciple. Now, if you look at this account in Mark or if you look at it in Matthew, that's not in there. Luke adds that. And this is what I like about Luke. Luke is a historian. He's, he's studying. He, he was not an eyewitness to the events. He's talking to people who were eyewitnesses to the events. And there's a sense in, in, in Luke of he's trying to get across, here's the essence of what was going on. Follow me and be my disciple. I want to camp on that for a moment. Most people these days, they consider themselves to be followers of Christ. And they use the term Christian. All right? We're Christians. We're, We're followers of Christ. But the earlier followers of Christ never used the term Christian. In fact, the term Christian is only in the Bible three times. The term disciple is in there numerous times. And the very first followers of Jesus were the disciples of Jesus. It says in Acts 11.26, it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. And it was a somewhat derogatory term. It it was kind of like, well, who do you think you are? Do you think you're a little Jesus? That's what Christian means, to be like Jesus, a little Jesus. Do you think you're a little Jesus? Like, who, who do you all think you are? The first followers pretty much could be split into two groups, I think. Maybe three groups. The first groups were those who simply followed him around. They had some kind of interest. You know, they'd heard him teaching. It's like, hey, he's a great teacher. Maybe they wanted something from Jesus. You know, need some healing. I need some, Jesus, I need you to fix me. So they were there. They, they were interested in Jesus, but they were more interested in Jesus for what they could get from Jesus. There was another group, the Pharisees, who were there, they were kind of there to critique Jesus. They, they weren't really sure about him, you know. Not, we don't think he's who he says he is, and, and we're here to prove it. And then there was this third group who were the disciples. And a disciple is a student of a rabbi, a student of a teacher. And typically back in the days, to become a student of a rabbi, you got picked, you got selected. You know, the, the rabbis would be looking at the, the kids, it was boys, in the village. And if somebody was bright and they seemed to have some kind of, you know, there's something going on there, they might select him to be a disciple, to become under their discipline, their teaching. And it was an honor to be a disciple. It actually meant that you would get the dust of your rabbi on you. Wherever your rabbi goes, the dirt that's on his feet should be on your feet. That was the essence of being a disciple. So when you you look at this, what he's saying to, to Levi, to Matthew is, I want you to come follow me, but I don't want you to just come follow me. I want you to come and do what I do. Learn from me so that you can teach people to do what I do and they can teach people to do what they do. I do. And it gets handed down through the generations. It's interesting. You know, when Jesus went up into to heaven, when he ascended into heaven and the Great Commission, he did not tell the disciples to go into all the world and make followers. He didn't say go into all the world and make Christians. He said go all, into all the world and make disciples. 
Make people who will imitate me like you're imitating me so that this can be handed down, can be handed down, can be handed down. There should be no followers of Jesus Christ in this room. There should only be disciples of Jesus Christ and those who may be interested in being a disciple and not quite there yet. I want to know about this Jesus. Jesus is not interested in having some fans. A lot of people are fans of Jesus. This week I was a fan. My team, England. I'm watching the European Championships, and they've got to the semifinals. And I'm jumping up and down and cheering and yelling for England. My wife caught it on film. She knew what the score was going to be, and she filmed me. So I'm hoping that does not appear up here one day. But Jesus is not looking for people that just jump up and down and say, Yeah, Jesus. He's looking for people that are in the game. He doesn't need any fans. He wants players. Come and join me. Do what I do. This is what it means to be a Christian. It is to be a disciple. So he, he, he invites Levi to do the work that he's doing. Well, what was the work that Jesus was doing? Well, Levi's about to show us right away. It says later. We got another later. Verse 29. We don't know the timeline. When you look at this in, in Matthew and Mark, there's no later. In those accounts, later Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and the other guests also ate with them. So Jesus calls Levi. He's sitting in his tax booth. Hey, Levi, come follow me. Be a disciple. And one of the first things that that Levi does is he goes home and he organizes a banquet for all of his friends. And his co-workers. It's like Jesus had such an immediate impact on, on Levi's life, on Matthew's life. It's like, I want to, man, you've got to come and hear about this guy, Jesus. He's something else. I like the way Mark puts it. He says uh, in Mark 2.15, later Levi invited, Je- oh, here it does have a later. Later Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There are many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. I love this. First off, we we see that word disciple again. Jesus goes to this house of of disrepute and he takes his disciples with him. We're going to go hang out with the tax collectors, guys. Come on, let's go up there. Secondly, we got this image of Jesus attracting a bunch of 'er ne'er-do-wells. And they're following him around. Now, I get this impression that Jesus is not trying to get rid of them. You know, you guys follow me, get lost. I don't want your kind following me. Jesus was always very open. <laughs> I love it. It says, many people of this kind. Those kind. Yeah, those people, you know. But Jesus' attitude was always one of openness and acceptance. If you wanted to hang out and listen, he was cool with that. He didn't care who you are. Now, you might not like what he's going to teach because Jesus never curried favor with people and he never masked the truth or tried to cover the truth up. But if you wanted to come follow him, it didn't matter if you were a Pharisee, if you were a tax collector, a fisherman, a woman. It didn't matter. Come on, come and listen. I'm going to teach you the truth. You might not like what I teach you, but I'm going to teach you the truth and I'm going to teach you the truth in love. And, and what I love about Jesus, you know, you read accounts like this. So he's at a banquet at Matthew's house. 
You read about him sitting down with the Pharisees at a meal with his disciples. You read about him sitting with his followers at a meal with his disciples. You read about him sitting just with his disciples eating. And food seemed to be a central theme in Jesus' ministry. And, and, you know, I preach on this. There's something good that happens when you break bread with people. And I don't mean just going to McDonald's. I mean, it, it really works well when you're sitting around the kitchen table or you're sitting around the dining room table. And you're breaking bread. The conversation gets to a whole different level. You get to know people a little bit more when you break bread with them. And I'm not talking about at a big party. You know, if there's four or five of you. Jesus loved to do that. And we need to do that ourselves. So look at this gathering. You've got Levi. Levi's cohorts, his friends, disreputable people. And as we read on, you'll see it seems like there were some Pharisees there, the disciples, and Jesus. It's quite the mixture. Now, Levi is going to have a big house. Jesus is the guest of honor. Now, I want to bring this kind of back down here, because this series is entitled Walking with Jesus. What's it, what would it be like for us? What does it mean to have Jesus as the guest of honor in your home? Now, think about that. Forget the banquet for a moment. Not just there for a meal. What is it like to have Jesus as the guest of honor in your home? How would that affect what you watch? How would that affect what you say? How you say it? How would it affect how you interact with others? Especially those closest to you. How would it affect your budgeting? If Jesus was the guest of honor in your house. It's funny, and it's often the the ones who are closest to us that we're the most disrespectful to. Those are the ones who catch our anger, who catch the sharp word that comes out of our mouths. When you're out in public, it's, it's a little calmer, isn't it? Or if you're with friends, it's a little... But when you're on your own, Sandra, all the time, she's just... How would, how would your home life change if Jesus was sitting there watching, listening, watching you interacting? So here's the question. If Jesus was the guest of honor in your home, would you be going out more often? Just got to get away from that guy for five minutes. I mean, it's unbelievable. It doesn't matter what I do. He's there. He knows what I'm thinking. I just got to get out of here. He's driving me nuts. You ever had a guest outstay their welcome? <laughs> you know, before we had kids, before we had kids, our, our, our house was known, known as the home for waifs and strays. And I can't hardly remember a day <laughs> that we didn't have somebody living with us. You know, they're going through something, they're going through a divorce or whatever. We always had people living with us. And we were fine with that. But I remember this one friend of mine, he came for two weeks, stayed for two and a half years. <laughs> Maybe I exaggerate. Maybe it was two years and three months. <laughs> I think we made him feel too comfortable. <laughs> that's the problem. But that's the thing, isn't it? How welcome does Jesus feel in your life, in your home? 
Or does he feel uncomfortable? I mean, if you've invited Jesus into your life, if you've said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, guess what? He is the guest of honor in your life. He is the guest of honor in your home. You invited him in. You ever felt unwelcome in somebody's home or uncomfortable? You know, they've invited you. Gosh, we, 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 we've had some situations with friends. No one here. <laughs> and you get there. You ever experience this? You get there. And you just don't feel welcome. You know, you, you go in the house and, and they don't offer you a drink. They don't, you know, ha- have a seat here. They don't engage. They just carry on doing what they're doing. The TV's on. It's loud and there's usually watching something you're not interested in. They don't bother to turn it off. And then maybe some other people come and they talk to them or they're talking over your head. And it's like you're not there and you just feel uncomfortable. And anytime you, you try to join in, it's like, they're not really interested in you. I say, why did you invite me? And, and it really gets bad. And I've been in this situation where they start fighting. Oh, my gosh. You ever been in that? And they start going at each other. And it's getting serious. And they're getting intense. And you're sitting there. And it's like, get me out of here. <laughs> I want out of here. Don't do that to Jesus. Don't invite him into your life, into your home, and make him feel uncomfortable. You know, you invite him. He says, yeah, I'll come. And he comes in. He says, I'm here, I'm with you, and I'm never going to leave you. Now he wishes he hadn't. (laughs) It's like, man, this is not good. Four quick things. I've got four quick things for you that you can do to help Jesus feel welcome in your life. Number one, listen to him. If you've invited him into your life, listen to what he's got to say. Get into his word. Read his word. Study his word. Listen to what he has to say. That will help change your life. Include him. Make him a part of every decision. Make him a part of every struggle. Don't, don't just kind of pull him out when you need. I need a little bit of Jesus here today. Got a problem going on. Include him in everything. At the end of the day, you know, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that happened this day. You know, Randy talked about it when we were singing worship, or somebody talked about it. For the good things and the bad things, for everything. Thank you, God. Nothing slipped through your fingers. You know, every single thing that happened to me today, you know, every thought, every good thought, every bad thought, you know, all of it. And I thank you for it. I offer it up to you, even in my weakness. Thank you for being part of my life, Jesus, because I believe you're going to make me better. Third thing, don't do stuff to embarrass him. He's in your house. Now, I just want you to think about this. If Jesus is in your house and he's been there for the last year or so, how many times if you could physically see him, do you think he'd be blushing? Don't embarrass Jesus. And finally, invite your friends to meet him. So if you were throwing a banquet and Jesus was the guest of honor, who would you invite? Just think about that. Who would you invite? 
Now, mostly, we like to invite people we're comfortable with, right? That's natural. That's okay, too. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the flip side of the question. Who wouldn't you invite? If you're trying to impress someone, you're having a dinner gathering, who's that person that's not on your list? We all have one. Like, ooh, I'm not sure about that person. Or at least most of us have one. I remember when Sandra and I first encountered Christianity, because we came from outside of Christianity, as you know. And I had a whole circle of friends, my worldly friends. And I had nothing to do with Jesus at that time, and they were friends. And then God kind of got hold of our lives, and, and I would have to say at that time we were Christian-esque. <laughs> and we started to get this whole new group of friends, church friends. And it was kind of weird for a while because with the worldly friends, I know, maybe I don't know, but I I used to think they wouldn't want to be with our church friends because that would make them uncomfortable. And then when I was over with my church friends, I thought they wouldn't want to be with our worldly friends because that would make them uncomfortable. Who wouldn't you invite? Who would not be on your list? Here's a strange thing. The longer we have been in church, the more relevant that question has actually become in my life. Who would you leave off the list? That's the situation right here in this scripture. Carries on in verse 30. It says, But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. I don't know why they didn't complain to Jesus. Complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Ouch! You see, these guys weren't just sinners. We're all kind of okay with, oh yeah, you know, I'm not afraid to hang around with sinners. These guys were reputation ruiners. You get seen with these guys, your reputation's going south. Being a tax collector had its pros and it had its cons. The big pro for being a tax collector, you're wealthy. You got money. You got the big house up on the hill. And you got all your tax collector friends. (laughs) Collecting taxes was was not something that was well regulated. And, And they took a cut from the taxes. Nobody really cared. Well, the people they took the cup from cared, but the the government didn't care. No one's checking it. And they were very wealthy people. That's the pro. The cons are huge. They are considered the lowest of the low, absolute scum. So let me explain. Imagine, and I've talked about this before, imagine that your enemy has invaded the land. And they've come in, and they've taken over completely. And you are no longer a free people. Now, you can go about your business, but you are subject to the overlords who have invaded your land. And the, and the enemy soldiers are everywhere. And you're subject to their laws, their custom, and their language. They don't speak your language, and they're not really interested in learning it. You better adapt to our language. And their ways are not your ways, and their customs are not your customs. 
But you've got to do it their way, otherwise you're in trouble. If they say jump, you just say how high in their language. Now, to add insult to injury, someone has to pay for all those soldiers who are occupying your land. Well, who do you think that someone is? It's you. Your taxes are paying for the soldiers that are keeping you down. This is what it would be like if July the 4th never happened. Just telling you. Your tax dollars go to finance the very occupation you hate. Now, somebody collects those taxes. You don't mail it in. There's no mail. There's a booth set up, and you go to the booth, and you take your taxes to the booth. That somebody is a fellow countryman who works for the enemy. How do you feel about that person? Like, seriously? He's taken his cut. He's taken the government's cut. Maybe some for his friends. You're not feeling very good about this person. He's probably... Remember that guy at school? The one who was the teacher's pet? The telltale? That's probably this guy. Everybody knows one of those guys, right? That's probably this guy. He's just got a different teaching. Give me your money. And he's taking your money and he's paying the enemy to lord it over you. And he takes a pretty decent cut out of it. Lives in a big house up on the hill. How do you feel about that guy? It's not warm and fuzzy, is it? I mean, I can, I can have dinner with sinners, I don't want to have dinner with that guy. Because if he comes into my house, he might be looking around. Hey, you're doing a little bit better than I thought you were. (laughs) Pay up. (laughs) Pharisees asked the disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Now, I don't imagine the Pharisees are the only ones thinking this. I'll bet you the disciples are thinking this. You know, seriously, Matthew? What's going on, Jesus? I mean, we're all fishermen. We work hard for our money. Matthew? We get a big catch of fish. He's there waiting for his cut. (laughs) Sometimes Jesus calls us to spend time and build relationships with people that we don't really like that make us uncomfortable. Maybe we don't understand them. And they might even cause those people that we know to look at us and think, why are you hanging out with them? Why are you spending time with them? (laughs) And what I love about this is Jesus not only spends time with them, he calls one of them to be his disciple. Come follow me, be my disciple. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, religious law, complained bitterly to Jesus. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those not who think they are righteous. This is a slap in the face. I love this. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. 
boom, right in your face. Here's why I'm here. I didn't come to hang out with a bunch of self-righteous church people. I came to hang out with people who wouldn't come to church, who you all don't like, who's the marginalized in society that you don't get. They're the ones that you like to preach about. That's who I came to hang out with. I came to, to, to be with these people and to show them a different way, to help them change their mind. That's what repent means, to change their thinking. And, and then think about this. These men, these tax collectors, they're hurting the very people that Jesus loved. They're hurting his disciples. When he was growing up and his dad was a builder, he probably saw dad go off to the tax guy and pay money. And he's thinking, man, you know, we, we're hardly making ends meet and poor dad's got to go pay this guy money. They were truly bad people. And they would not have been hanging out with the crowd of people that were crushing to hear Jesus speak. They're not coming into town. They're not going to the synagogue. That's why all of this stuff's going on. Where's Matthew? He's in the booth. Kind of hiding behind her a little bit. Maybe he's got one of those plexiglass windows. I don't know. No one's inviting him over for tea. I can tell you that. And Jesus comes by and says, hey, Levi. Levi and Matthew are the same person. Hey, come be my disciple. And the other disciples are probably, no, Jesus, no, not him. Can you imagine being Jesus' PR guy? (laughs) Who? (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) We were doing so well. You were up six points in the polls. (laughs) Ah. Here's the thing with Matthew. I don't know what happens in this short period of time, but something happens. And he thinks, I, I got to throw a banquet for Jesus. And, and, he, and he calls all of his friends. You got to come. I can't explain it. I can imagine, you know, they, you're, you're leaving the business, Matthew. What's going on, man? Look at the money. You're leaving the business. Yeah, I got to leave. Why are you leaving the business? This Jesus guy. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. He, something has changed and I can't explain it. I'm different. I'm not the person that I used to be and it's all about him. It's incredible, guys. You need to meet this Jesus guy. He will change your life. He will make it better. You got to meet this Jesus guy. He's changed me from the inside out and I can't explain it. All I can tell you is you need to experience it. And the change that Levi has had is so powerful in his life that these other tax collectors are looking at him and they say, yeah, yeah, okay, we're coming. I want to meet this Jesus. You see, Levi's not ramming Jesus down their throats. And sometimes as Christians, I say, you dirty, sin-covered scum. You better get to Jesus before you get to hell. None of that's going on. He said, Jesus changed me. It's awesome. Come and be changed. And he throws a party, a Jesus party. Now, here's the thing. And, and it's a thing that the, the, the Pharisees never got all the way through Jesus' ministry, and sometimes we don't get it. Jesus didn't come to change our behavior. Jesus came to change our lives. 
And there's a world of difference between changed behavior and changed lives. Changed behavior comes out of a changed life. It's because of the joy that Jesus puts in the life, the hope that Jesus puts in the life, the love that Jesus puts in the life. It's like, I'm a changed person. Yo, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21 says, Therefore, actually this is just 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Why? Because changed lives change lives. And it's not about rules and regulations. Too often we think that Christianity should be all about rules and regulations. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. Or more, you shalt and you shalt not. We're good at that. Levi throws a party. My life's changed. Come and see, guys. Come and see. He changed the way I think, and my life is better. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. You see, when we begin to live lives as though Jesus was the constant guest of honor in our lives all the time, and we've got the joy of Jesus and the love of Jesus in our lives, people are going to see that and they're going to be attracted to it. You don't have to try to be an evangelist when Jesus is alive in your life because he will speak through you. You know, this really came home to me this week when we were out in Florida. I love the way God does this because I, I knew I was preaching on this and I, and, I, and I wanted to have a short a story to share with you. And even this morning, I got up this morning and I'm praying, God, I need something. And I said, I gave it to you this week, Mike. Were you listening? So Chuck and Terry. Chuck used to be the associate pastor here. And uh, they live out in St. Pete's in Florida. And Chuck's part of a men's group that, that meets every week. On Fridays, I believe it is. And it's a pretty cool men's group. You know, they do their study. And, and it's a good group, good, strong group. And then someone in the group about a year ago said, you know, it'd be really neat. Why don't we have a, a, a get-together? Let's, let's invite our wives and, and we'll have a get-together. And we'll go somewhere. We'll go to a restaurant and, and we'll sit outside and carry this on at a different level. So they found this little restaurant in St. Pete's. They got some tables outside and, and they would sit there and, and talk about Jesus. Now, it wasn't specifically a Bible study, but they all had their tablets. You know, they didn't have their Bible. That's the way it is these days. And they're sitting there, and they, and they do this every week, and they're doing it intentionally. So this is our, our outreach. We're just going to sit, and we're going to see what Jesus does. And they get to know the owner. Lynn, who runs the place with her wife. And Lynn starts getting friendly with them. And she's coming out. She said, well, what are you guys doing out here? Because they don't have Bibles. And at some point, she asked that question. And, and, and Chuck said, well, you know, we, we just hang out here. And, and we talk about the things going on in our lives. And, and we pray about it. And we talk about what God's doing in our lives. And at some point, somebody must have said something to Lynn about prayer. How can we pray for you? And, I, and, I, and Chuck said, you know, and we pray for her business. 
We pray for God to bless this business and make it a success. And now every so often, Lynn comes out and sits and prays with us too. I love this. And I love your faces when I said her wife. This is what it's all about. They're not there to make a big statement. They're simply letting Jesus shine in their lives. Now, they didn't know when they sat at that restaurant, but God knew. They just picked, oh, this looks like a nice place. Let's let's meet here. But they're being intentional about it. This is their community focus. And, And they're not making a big statement. They're just, we love Jesus. We're here to talk about Jesus. We're here to talk about how Jesus is impacting our lives and changing our lives. And guess what? He'll do the same for you. I love it. So let me loop around. Guess who's coming to dinner? No, you are. And you're going to bring Jesus. Because Jesus is a part of your life. You're coming to dinner. Who are you going to dinner with? No. Jesus is already with you. He's the guest of honor. Come on, think about this, folks. Jesus is the guest of honor in your life, isn't it? You don't need to invite Jesus. You already invited him. Now you just got to go and take him to someone else. This man changed my life. I'm not here to browbeat or tell you what's right or wrong or what you're doing right or wrong. I'm here to tell you this man changed my life and he can change your life too. That's what this is all about. So who's coming to dinner? And who are you taking with you? And why are you taking him with you? Because he's already part of your life, right? Come on, folks. Stay with me here. I never thought it was going to be this difficult. (laughs) You all need to take a break in Florida. (laughs) Amen. All right. I want you to pray about that. I'm going to shut it down. I was going to go to the next section. I don't have time. Who is it that you need to have dinner with? Who do you need to open your life up to that maybe if some of the other people in here saw you with them, they might think, ooh, it's not very good. I don't want to get any of that on me. Who is it that Jesus has given you an opportunity to reach out to and open your life up to? Not that you're going to bash them over the head with Jesus, but you're going to let the love of Jesus and the light of Jesus shine in your life in such a way that they're going to do what Lynn does. What, what are you guys doing here? We're talking about Jesus. We're praying to Jesus. Maybe I should pray to Jesus. Come on in, lady. Who's your one? We talked about this last week. Who is your one? Amen? All right. That was kind of an abrupt ending there. (laughs) What announcements do we have? Vacation Bible School. Did you get a ticket? If you didn't get a ticket last week, raise your hand and you're going to get a ticket right now. That doesn't mean that you're coming to Vacation Bible School, so don't be shy. Some of you didn't get a ticket last week. Raise your hand now or we just stay here. Becky, come on, get a ticket. 
Come on, Lynn, where's the preparation? We'll mail them to you. <laughs> there you go. Raise your hands of a couple over here. Who else didn't get a ticket? I want everybody to have a ticket. This is an easy way to reach out to people. Vacation Bible School is coming up July 19th through 23rd. There's a little QR code on here. They can just that with their phone and register online. We have got to reach people for Jesus Christ. And you know some of the easiest people to reach for Jesus Christ is children. Because mom and dad are thinking, are you telling me I get a whole week every evening without these little creatures? They will kiss you. (laughs) I want to see this place filled with kids. Absolutely filled with kids because we've got to protect our children. We've got to get Jesus in their hearts early because they're in a world that wants to steal any semblance of Jesus from them. And it's our responsibility to get it in there and get a good foundation. And you know what happens with those little kids after a while? They bring mom and dad. They're going home talking about stuff they learn in Sunday school and mom and dad. And this is, I've seen this so often. They used to go to church. They dropped out of it. Something's going on. That's why they're sending their kids to VBS because they remember when mom and dad sent them to VBS and they get to a point in their life and they start thinking, maybe we should go back. Maybe we need to get Jesus back in our lives. So get a ticket and invite people to Vacation Bible School. What else we got going on here? Promise Keepers coming up July 16th, 17th. That's That's not this weekend. That's the following weekend, right? Guys, if you've never been to a Promise Keepers event, you need to go. It is life-changing. And I shared this the first week. My wife would send me to Promise Keepers. Because pretty much every time I went to a Promise Keepers event up in Canada and even here, I come back different. Now, it's not that every single speaker there is, wow, but God's always got something for me. And I come back different. So who, who is it? I forgot. It's Bob. Bob, Paul. There he is back there. He's hiding. You should be waving at me, Paul. Go see Paul about promise keepers. And now here's the good thing. It's Friday night and it's Saturday, but it's not all day Saturday. It ends at 2.30. So you still got the rest of Saturday because a lot of people are, you know, we want to give Jesus some of our time, but not that much. <laughs> all day. Are you serious? It's over at 2.30. And you'll come back changed. So see Paul. This coming week, our youth are going to camp. So if I could get our youth workers to come on up. Nancy, I just saw her run out. Is she gone to get the youth? She's gone to get the youth. All right, we're going to pray for our youth in a second. Um, Brandon and Courtney, you're here. John is over there. All right, we're going to get you guys to come up, and we're going to pray over our youth. It's the first time kids have been at youth camp for a few years. We had COVID last year, and uh, it's good. It's good. Kids need to be there. They will get excited, and they will get pumped up about Jesus. So we're going to pray for them in a moment. We're going to take up our offering. Oh, we're not handing out, right? We're going to have people come by and, and drop. Am I early? Why aren't the youth here? What time is it? I don't have a watch on. 12.02. 12.02. I'm right on time. I'm on Baptist time. Because if we're not done at noon, it's... <sighs> All right, well, talk amongst yourselves. Ah, here they come.
Come on up, folks. Come on up, folks. Nancy, you got to come up. Where's John? Is John coming? Is he bringing others with him? No, this is it. This is it right here. These are our youth that are going. To... There's more going. More going, but this is what's here. Some of them don't come to church. Some were invited. Now, which youth leaders are going? One, two, just the two of you? Yes. None of the others would go? No. What wise and wonderful people they are. <laughs> I know. There he is. Come on, John. Run, man. She said you're too old to run. And now she's standing on a stage in church, lying. (laughs) And we have it on tape, and it's being broadcast across the world. If we could get our elders to come up, who's here? Randy's here. We've got to have some more. David's here. The rest of them are... uh... Oh, where's... Oh, Hector's with his mom. We'll, We'll give him that one. Come on over here. Gather in a little group here so we can surround you and pray on you. Come on over. Come on over. Come on over. Are you looking forward to camp? Yeah? It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Randy, would you lead us off? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these youth, Lord, and the great experience they're going to have this coming week, Lord. We pray that their hearts and their minds are open and they're ready to receive everything that you have to teach them, Lord. We pray for safety on their trip. Lord, pray for the leaders, Lord, that you will be with them and guide them. We pray for the lessons that are going to be taught, Lord, and the worship and the singing. Everything's going to happen, Lord. We just pray blessings on all of these youth and the leaders. It's in Christ's name. Thank you. David, did you want to pray? Now that he's prayed everything? Father, we just thank you for these youth that come and want to share in you and want to seek you. And we just ask your blessing upon them as they go to do that purpose. We ask your blessing upon these leaders that guide them and nurture them and lead them to you. And we ask you all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I want to lift up Nancy and Brandon to you. I thank you for them. I pray your protection upon them. As they're away, I pray that they just have such a wonderful time themselves. Father, pour out your blessing upon these young people. Father, you make connections with people that will help them walk on their journey. And Father, we pray that they will grow in stature, that they will grow in spiritual stature, and that they will become stronger and that they will be warriors in your kingdom, Father. Surround them with the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. And bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. All right. So please be faithful with your offering. You can give online. You can give as you go out the door there. You can mail it in. Stay connected. That's where you find out what's going on. Go to the website. Go to Facebook. And all those other things that I don't know about that connect us together. And just in case you you, you want to know, because I know that you do, on Wednesday, England is playing in the semifinal. It's at 2 o'clock, all right? So I'll be expecting a lot of spiritual support for for England at that time. All right? And then they'll be in the final next Sunday at 2. If they're in the final next Sunday at 2, we're having a 15-minute sermon. (laughs) Now now you're all, go England, go England! (laughs) Please stand. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your love. I thank you for the example of Jesus Christ, Father. He went to places that sometimes we're nervous about going to. 
Father, give us the love, the, the, the love of Christ in our hearts to open up our lives, to open up doors to people that we wouldn't normally be comfortable with, whatever that might mean in our life, Father. Maybe people that, that, that could compromise our reputation. But give us wisdom and strength and power in the Holy Spirit, Father, to do it in such a manner that brings glory to your life, your, your name. Father, put the light of your life in us so that everywhere we go, you shine out of us in such a way that it is attractive to everybody that we meet, and especially in our homes. Father, bless us so that we may be a blessing. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. We'll see you next week.